0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hello, and welcome to the New Books Network. My name is Christian Axboe Nielsen. I am a professor of history and human security at the University of Aarhus in Denmark. My guest today is Zarina Borkadze, an associate professor of political science at Ilya State University. She did her postdoctoral studies as a Fulbright scholar at George Washington University and earned her doctoral degree in political science at the University of Zurich. Her research interests include democratization, democracy, and autocracy promotion. Today, we will be discussing Zarina's book, Great Power Competition and the Path to Democracy, The Case of Georgia, 1991 to 2020, which was recently published this year by the University of Rochester Press. Serena, hello and welcome to the episode.
2: Hello, Christian, thank you very much for having me and inviting and giving me an opportunity to uh, speak about my recently published book.
1: Well, I'm really excited uh, to talk about this uh, book and uh, it's certainly very, very relevant, but let's start off by having you tell us why you chose to write this particular book.
2: Um, Well, I was born in Sohumi. Um, This is the Autonomous Republic of Abkhazia in Georgia. And in 1992, uh, the war erupted in the uh, region and it has uh, several reasons why this happened. Um, I would say that the biggest trigger was the collapse of the Soviet Union and also the Russian efforts to destabilize Georgia by inciting separatists and arming the radical groups in Abkhazia. So Abkhazian nationalism uh, and self-exclusionary politics was one of the important conditions resulting in the separatist claims. Um, Another very important Trigger, I would say, was the international, the context of the international politics, and we know that the Cold War was recently ended by that time, and the Western actors limited their involvement in the region, and particularly with Georgia, by humanitarian assistance and diplomatic statements, because um, Russia was a nuclear state, and um, they were considerate of um, considering the interest, uh, international, uh, national security interests of Russia. Russia's support of radical groups within Abkhazian political elites resulted in ethnic cleansing of Georgians, and as a result of this war, there were approximately three hundred thousand internally displaced people. Um, they were left without support um, because Georgia had almost failing state. So not capable of accommodating the demands of its own citizens and has experienced the military coup d'etat followed by the Tbilisi civil war. And as a citizen of Georgia, obviously, I was interested to study what were the domestic and external causes of such painful democratization. So my childhood memories and observations really was... um, haunting me. And uh, I really wanted to study, to give, to find the scientific answers uh, to these questions. And that was the biggest motivation why I started to write this uh, book.
1: I I could definitely detect that when I read it. And I think uh, your uh, engagement in it uh, is, is very, very clear. But I think that one of the great strengths of the book is also that, as you say in your answer here, that there's very clearly a, a scholarly, scientific approach to the issue, um, and I think that you are uh, in the book really able to uh, look at each of the issues you deal with from from different perspectives, uh, and I, I enjoyed that while reading the book. Um, could you tell us a bit about the sources you used in the research uh, for this book? How did you go about uh, framing the research, and what kind of sources did you choose? And were there maybe any sources that you uh, decided or had planned to, to use, but decided not to in the end.
2: All right, sure. Um, thank you for this question. Uh, the purpose of this book is to explain why and how democracy emerged in Georgia, while it is a site of intense competition between the West and Russia. To explain this causal pass away and test my theoretical assumptions, I collected archival materials uh, which uh, included agreements um, between the United States and Georgia, um, also between uh, Georgia and Russia, and newspaper articles, um, interviewed experts on the countries of Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Moldova, and Ukraine. Um, uh, Armenia, these countries, other countries, um, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Moldova, and Ukraine, is very important. because there are some variants of great power competition, um, and also great power competition influences their domestic politics. And I also wanted after comprehensively studying Georgian case to really give the insight and outlook what is happening um, in those countries to, to make some comparisons. So, and the final chapter of this book really uh, speaks about these dynamics. I also interviewed diplomats, politicians, journalists, and the representatives of society organizations because they are the key decision players, uh, makers and also actors of the process um, of democratization. I studied and analyzed this data from 1991 to to 2020 so uh, in order to find any variance um, in the behaviors of external actors and also domestic actors, how they respond to these incentive structures. And, and I analyzed materials on the pre war period as well in Abkhazia from 1989 to uh, 1992. So um, a newspaper articles mainly I chose to uh, research this topic qualitatively in order to explain how the macro variables are translated into the micro actions and guide the behaviors of local and societies to form democratic rule. And I wanted to give this very um, deep and thick understanding and explanation of how uh, these processes are evolving uh, on the case in the case of Georgia. So this is uh, the sources and the methods I used to answer my research questions in this book.
1: Terrific. Um, Can we perhaps start uh, now that we'll dive into your book uh, by summarizing uh, Georgia's trajectory since uh, it attained independence from the Soviet Union? What are, in your opinion, some of the major milestones of the past 30 years that you identify in the book?
2: Um, Well, uh, as I mentioned, Georgia's political trajectory since independence was quite hectic. And it was marked with two separatist conflicts in the autonomous republics of South Ossetia and Abkhazia and Pilates' civil war. Uh, first democratically elected president Svetkam Sahurdia, who was a dissident, and I would say that he had no political experience um, and it was normal due to the uh, post-Soviet legacies. Um, He was overthrown by the military um, um, council. Uh, The recruitment for the government positions was based at that time on personal relations and regaining independence required creating constitutional rules defining system of governance, and gaining knowledge on many aspects of governance, including refining bureaucratic structures and learning how to build viable political parties free from personalization. So that was quite a difficult task without external democratic support, and I mentioned that um, at that time... uh, Georgia was not the biggest recipient of uh, democracy promotion assistance. Rather, it was limited with humanitarian assistance to tackle and to deal with refugee and IDP crises. Um, I mentioned refugee crisis because there was also a war in Chechnya and we had some inflow from um, this region, especially in the Pankistik War, that also escalated some security um, uh, issues. And they were quite often instrumentalized by Russia in order to uh, weaken the nazi's uh, rule so fighting communist rules uh brought some experience obviously to media actors and also to dissident movements uh, that were um, uh, then later on uh, positioned as civil society organizations and uh, more precisely as the human rights uh, defense organizations but most important reverse of these arenas um, media and non-governmental organizations, which is very important part in the process of um, uh, democratization. Without these arenas, it's impossible to speak about any institutional basis or any consolidation of democracy. So they, they started this reverse when they received substantial external support and assistance, and primarily from the United States. So first projects of the U.S. democracy, promotion, focus on humanitarian assistance, and then aiding Georgian counterparts in building electoral systems, because elections are the basic minimum to qualify and to be a democracy, right? Founding elections in Georgia was the most free and fair, and when I asked to my participants I the research um, observation when I did and when I interviewed um, uh, the interviewees, the answer was that how they explained why this first founding elections was the most free and fair in our history, that um, the quality of founding elections was positive and quite high uh, because uh, Georgia was going... uh, to establish a new state and none of the actors involved in this process, including the population, had no right to miss this chance. People overwhelmingly voted for Gamsakhurdia because Gamsakhurdia was an uncontested candidate. He was a nationalist leader, and obviously he, to some extent, used this nationalist discourse to mobilize the voters in the absence of uh, uh, kind of uh, real democratic institutions. That was also obviously some kind of problem in this process. Um, However, for the communist intelligentsia and the elite group that was aligned with Russia, Gamsakhurdia was unacceptable. Khedrioni, this is a notorious paramilitary group, staged military overthrow, and Gamsahurdia left the country. Initially, the uh, president and his family went to Chechnya as they had a friendly relation with the Chechen president, Johar Dudaev. Gamsahurdia returned in the West Georgia, where his electorate were regionally concentrated. However, he died under obscure circumstances, and even now um, the reasons of his death is unknown. Some claim that he... Uh, committed suicide, some claimed it was the politically motivated assassination of, of the first president. So the military council invited Chernatze to rule the country. Uh, Shavrenza had close connections with the West and Russia um, uh, because his international reputation was quite um, important in the sense that Shavarnadza was the former uh, uh, foreign minister of the Soviet Union, and he played a huge role in the co- in, in the uh, collapse of the Berlin Wall and the collapse of the Soviet Union. And uh, despite this uh, high reputation, high international reputation. He had very good relations with Baker, with the uh, Gansher, with uh, um, Demiral from Turkey, and so. Um, in- these
1: are the foreign ministers exactly. of, of these exactly. countries. There.
2: And these three countries were uh, actively involved in institutional building, especially Turkey and Germany helped a lot, Georgia, in building the military capabilities at the very early period of our independence under Shevardnadze. Um, and, uh, but his reputation um, didn't help him much uh, with, in relation with Russia. Uh, he really tried a lot. Uh, he had this experience uh, being uh, as a com- one of the communist leaders and knowing uh, the cogs uh, and wheels of the, inst- uh, the institutional setting of the uh, how, how Soviets ruled at that time. Um, and, uh, and this reputation did not help to avoid the war in Abkhazia. Contrary, when I was studying the archival materials, I found uh, one of his um, uh, interviews where he uh, says that vice president of the Russian Federation threatened Shavrnada to send planes up if Georgia did not join the Commonwealth of Independent States, uh, which might also contribute to the end of Abkhazian war. And Russian troops were participating in the escalation of hostilities in Tsiranana region, and there was a rocket attack on the region after the ceasefire agreement. So there was quite constant violation of ceasefires or any agreements that was concluded between Shavrnada, Georgia, and Russia. And uh, even more, um, one of his ministers, security ministers, um, planned and executed the attempt of terrorist attack against Shavarnadze. And that was, I would say, the awakening of Shavarnadze when he started to think to um, deepen the ties and connections with the Western uh, countries and to uh, formalize these relationships with NATO, with European Union, and with the United States. So under Gamsah and first attempt, the Western external electors did not have close political linkages with the Georgian elites, but Slowly, Schoenadze started uh, to develop these links. And now, in the case uh, of Georgia, great power competition began in earnest when Western democratizers entered the political space during Schoenadze's second presidency. So Schoenadze consolidated his power vertically to counter the military council. So after isolating the militaries, I would call them not militaries, but rather paramilitaries from the mm-hmm. political landscape, Western democratizers advised Shobernaza to adopt a new constitution and define new rules for balanced power sharing mechanisms. Schoenade used tax authorities, security services, prosecution, and the courts to neutralize domestic rivals. And these agencies were instrumental in political decisions of his government and often used against the media, opposition, um, NGOs. So the government repression against the media split his own ruling party between the reformers supported by Western actors and uh, retrogrades loyal to authoritarian regime. And here I also uh, want to mention the fact that this division also ran along the lines of foreign policy, so where Georgia needs to be stand, with West or with Russia. So these two reference groups always um, are quite visible in the Georgian politics. Uh, in 2003, the success of the Rose Revolution against Nazis regime was really embedded in a set of cir- circumstances that includes a popular demand for change because uh, the state institutions was quite irresponsive towards the citizens' demand, and we had high level of corruption at that time. Uh, government incapacity to respond other ch- to other challenges and decisive role of the media Uh, Somehow, in the context of Georgia, media can be seen as an instrument and as a key actor of democratization, So, and even some politicians claimed during the interviews that without media, the political temperature could not be as high as it was during the um, uh, Rose Revolution in Georgia. The support of external actors was a significant addition to this anti-regime mobilization toolkit, and... um, uh, the political and media realities changed dramatically under Saakashvili. So Rose Revolution happened. it was quite successful, peaceful regime change. Um, he mobilized the political system. A new president to reduce inter-party fragmentation and oppositional capacity. Uh, the domesticated opposition emerged, the bureaucrats and the rule of law actors were uh, allied with the president for several reasons. First, Saakashvili was the winner of the revolution and real leader of the Rose Revolution. Second, the government was effective in eliminating endemic corruption and also the informal rules of interest groups. So Saakashvili's economic policies were based on the idea of a liberal economy. So these transformations contributed to economic growth and to creating uh, state institutions, capable state institutions. But this institutional, structural and economic modernization of the country did not translate into a democratic regime uh conversely the uh, incumbents were exposed to increasing authoritarian tendencies and uh, as we said in georgia that 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 was the dictatorship of democrats so Mm -hmm. really very
1: interesting term
2: (laughs) yes they really developed the state institutions uh they really made Country responsive to certain um, threats or challenges, but it was not a democracy, liberal democracy per se, where all parties who are involved in the process have the same rights or same opportunities um, to be part of political process. So uh, we know that also critical point was that Sergei tried to uh, appease the Russia and to negotiate and he himself also recalls all these things uh, if we look to, to these interviews. But somehow I, I'm not sure whether it was on the personal level or it was like uh, also uh, uh, Russia's uh, imperialist goals that um, uh, these negotiations did not work. And finally, um, uh, it, Georgia was somehow punished for its Western orientation. Uh, because uh, Saakashvili's government made it clear that our foreign policy goal is to become a member of NATO and to become a member of the European Union and to have a strategic relations with the um, United States. So then happened the war in 2008 uh, when the Russia invaded Georgia, and Georgians fought five days' war that was quite difficult for a country whose population is almost 4 million. Mm -hmm. And at that time, Georgia uh, uh, really um, sometimes was criticized even by some Western um, policymakers that we were provoked. But uh, after time passed, uh, the case of Ukraine showed that we were just a Beginning, starting point of a big project for for of Russia um, that is restoring the old empire. So five months before the parliamentary elections of. 2012, uh, Bidzina Ivanishvili, a Georgian oligarch, started to reestablish this uh, media channel, in, uh, Channel 9s, and uh, formed the Georgian Dream Coalition. So, uh, we had quite fragmented opposition um, under Saakashvili, and uh, uh, Ivanishvili's financial resources made it possible to unite um, opposition. So uh, the uh, um, critical media enjoyed complete editorial freedom to criticize the government's policies, opposition media, uh, and, but they had the coverage limits. Uh, so they only could reach uh, the audience within the confines of the capital city. So to widen the coverage area, the non-governmental organizations and media launched this campaign. Must carry must offer to pluralize media content to reach the uh, uh, audience uh, in the region uh, in the regions of the country. So during the pre-election periods and afterwards as well so this is very important in order to mobilize the voters and to increase the electoral uh, the, the, the opportunity or to win in, in elections so as a result of this policy um, must carry must offer the opposition media gained the right to broadcast across the whole of Georgia. And also here I want to outline the uh, uh, special rule of uh, EU and US ambassadors. They were critical uh, for media and uh, NGO persistence uh, a- against the government. So uh, they helped these non-incumbent actors um, at, at the critical time. Another campaign also um, aimed to reduce the capacity of the state not to conduct illegal surveillances against the opposition and this affects your campaign was in this regard very important Uh, a period of political uh, and what we uh, have as a result is that um, uh, one of the journalists uh, that was um, linked to Russia and later on he established, she established far-right political party, the uh, Alliance of Patriots. And uh, she also became the vice speaker of the parliament of Georgia. Uh, she uh, obtained the illegal uh, tapes about how um, inmates, prison uh, inmates, are uh, treated at the penitentiary institutions of Georgia, and these um, tapes were released right before the elections, which obviously caused the public outrage, and students mobilized. There was a protests and demonstrations, and it really defined the electoral outcomes at the time. So, a period of political cohabitation followed the peaceful transition of power after the uh, 2012 election. So, that was the period when Georgia for the first time peacefully transferred its power to opposition. So, Saakashvili... Right,
1: that's, that's 20 years after independence.
2: Exactly. Right. So, that is uh, President Saakashvili and his party, United National Movement, um, uh, made a critical decision to to uh, recognize this results. They were Protestant, they positioned as a Protestant party, and therefore um, democratic behavior and recognition of results uh, should be consistent of their image and of their political goals. Um, So we have quite a strong opposition, former ruling party at that time, um, and uh, opposition and the ruling party shared the post of president. Saakashvili was the president, and uh, prime minister was uh, Bidzina Ivanishvili from the uh, Georgian Dream Coalition. Uh, External democratizers were more watchful and critical of the new government. The removal of the unwanted government, however, appeased Russia. These factors permitted political pluralism and also strengthened the competition between the government and the opposition. Irrespective of failing justice, favoring conservative voters, and politicizing the state institutions, the period of Georgian dream government, uh, initial phase of uh, Georgian dream government is marked with the emergence of multiple veto holders within the political media and social structures. So the post election context forced Saakashvili to cohabitate with the parliamentary majority. That denounced his policies. Democracy promoters scrutinized the government policies to avoid weakening the opposition. And externally driven and domestically motivated struggles of the pro democracy and liberal forces gave rise to party competition fragmented the political and media landscape, so opposition and the ruling party had their own media channels, affiliated media uh, channels, and diffused the political power, so this diversity of veto players indicated a democratic arrival of Georgia in its minimalist sense. Uh, This overview shows that uh, competition between great powers enabled local actors to engage in meaningful competition with the ability to veto authoritarian takeovers. External political competition... um, prolonged confrontations, provided peaceful episodes for democratization, and weakened powerful monopolistic groups. Since the governments of democratizing states can easily ignore the demands of their populations, they can concentrate their political power, especially when there are no democratic institutions or when such institutions are weakly shaped. And in such case, great power competition broke the consolidated power by pluralizing domestic political spheres and empowering the disadvantaged insiders of the regime. So uh, this is how I explain um, the arrival of democracy in its minimalist sense in Georgia, uh, overviewing these four different periods of our democratization.
0: Slash NBN fifty to get fifty percent off.
1: Well, that's a a, a, a really fascinating and, as you say, uh, hectic and at times very you know, almost chaotic uh, landscape uh, over a relatively short period of time. And uh, you've mentioned now this this crucial term in your book: external political competition. Now, obviously, um, and, more, and perhaps. Even more so when viewed from the vantage point of of Western Europe, where I'm sitting, um, one obvious uh, and major aspect of that external c- political competition uh, involves uh, uh, the potential of NATO membership for Georgia. Um, of course, EU membership as well, but. Um, As we know, uh, even more than the EU, uh, NATO membership figures very largely in the eyes, not least of Russia. So um, there's been a lot of discussion as of late uh, about the decision back in 2008 not to offer Ukraine and Georgia NATO membership. Can you summarize how your book analyzes the relationship between uh, democratization on the one hand and NATO membership uh, for Georgia on the other hand?
2: Um, sure, but can I start to first explaining uh, the key concept uh, of my book which is external political competition and then I um, more give more specific elaborations about this relationship between democratization and NATO membership for Georgia of course. Okay, perfect. So external political competition takes place when international organizations, in this case, NATO, European Union, superpowers, um, United States, Russia, uh, and their reference groups engage in the competitive diffusion of democracy and autocracy. So, external political competition is a deliberate act to promote competing strategies and target domestic actors at the same time. So, this form of political competition has three dimensions. First is that nature of the actor. So whether as an external actor, I promote uh, democracy or I promote autocracy. what is my strategic goal in, in, in the target country? Second is the intensity of competition which varies depending on the capabilities and strategic interests towards target countries. Let me be more clear here. Uh, uh, let's assume that China has its interests, uh, strategic interests in Georgia, but its interests are different from those that China has in, 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 with regard to Taiwan. So we need to be also cautious about this intensity of competition depending on the um, region. A third is that the nature of instruments. So what kind of instruments competing external actors use to leverage the domestic political processes. So generally these are Uh, political levers, these are um, uh, diplomatic levers, these are human-based levers that also I use this term reference groups. Uh, These are energy levers, these are economic levers to somehow uh, influence the decisions of domestic actors. And obviously military levers, which is the most harsh and most brutal uh, way uh, to subvert uh, processes and prevent uh, unwonted forces from coming to political power. So now let me explain, uh, tell a little bit about my argument in this book is that great power competition can uh, distribute political power in a way that causes democracy, democratic regime to emerge. So how? Uh, it does the integration of authoritarian and democratic actors into the process of democratization reduces the chances of a state being violently overthrown so inclusion also restricts authoritarian actors uh, where when the elimination increases the possibility of violence so we have these stable episodes to uh, take or make or implement very important democratic reforms an implication of this containment uh, is that uh, creating stable environment for building democracy and second the competition among the proxies of external uh, competing forces diffuses power so you, we have the decomposition of political power instead of the centralization of political power as a result diverse set of actors can be empowered within the political and social layers. So we have multiple veto holders. And this pluralizes local spheres, creates opportunity for lengthy negotiations, imposes mutual constraints on the actors from all sides. So this is the mechanism through which competing pressures are effective in curbing the unwillingness of democracy. Domestic actors to democratize. So let me go back to empirics and recall Showanaza. Showanaza was a communist leader, but paradoxically he adopted democratic policies because of the constraints he faced from Russia and threats he faced from Russia. So he needed to be partner uh, to build this partnership with the Western actors. So, ex- external political competition thus pluralizes the societies and checks their powers. Also, external support helps the contending groups participate in political decision making and offers the promise of not being becoming permanent losers. It's quite painful um, um, in, in transitional regimes uh, not to have guarantees. It, it increases uncertainties. It also creates uh, quite stalemate situations. And therefore, uh, having a guarantee, it, it makes possible regime change. Uh, but obviously, regime change does not mean that in a day we can create democracy. So, with this sense of confidence, a peaceful environment for building democracy and constructive struggle becomes possible. And democracy is all about struggle, all about competition, obviously at the beginning of the process. The involvement of democratic great powers to empower more democratic forces within the polity is essential for the process of democratization because by creating incentives and instituting a set of democratic rules, authoritarian tendencies are vetoed. I mentioned this beginning of a period, very hectic period with the wars, with the civil war, with separatist wars, uh, that that the um, external actors, Uh, democracy promoters were not present at the political space of uh, Georgia, and only dominant actor was Russia. And we have seen the regime quality at that time, and afterwards... um, This is why it's important uh, that the democracy promoters um, uh, be present, uh, and their role is very critical in this sense. The pro democracy forces prevented two two successive regimes, those of Shevardnadze and Saakashvili, from consolidating their authoritarian powers. And this pro democracy, pro democracy forces mobilized in response uh, to the pro authoritarian veto holders that are linked to Russia. So uh, competitive pressures also provide the sizable efficacy of sanctioning mechanisms against local actors. Uh, and uh, for instance, Russia's involvement in Georgia's politics both reversed and motivated uh, the process of democratization. Their involvement motivated for democracy allies to be more responsible toward the external allies because they believed that if democratization was hindered, they might be replaced by the authoritarian rivals. So uh, conversely, the decline of democratic influence allows liberal powers to subvert democratic processes and invoke unchecked autocracy promotion measures through coercive political, economic, and military levers, bolstering authoritarian groups and undermining the territorial integrity of of target countries. And here I come to the point uh, when I have to speak why NATO membership and EU membership is very important for Georgia, for Ukraine, and for Moldova, for all these countries who are trying to democratize and to become a consolidated democracies in the very critical region, geopolitical region. So NATO membership enlargement is is Complementary to the Europe EU integration process and is is it, it is mutually reinforcing processes. The alliance intends to protect the security architecture of the Euro Atlantic space. Let's remember the history why uh, NATO was established. But some cracks, as you mentioned in your question, appeared in 2008 between European skeptics. I call European skeptics those countries. Who um, uh, started to, post po- to postpone or somehow stall this process of integration of Georgia into North Atlantic structures, and the uh, the different uh, ideas had. Uh, U.S. Policy, foreign policy makers re- regarding NATO enlargement poli- policy and there was some inconsistencies between perceptions and views how this process should evolve. But what I believe um, as a scholar and as a citizen of Georgia is, is someone who is sitting in policy and someone who knows and experienced the Russian aggression is that not giving NATO membership to Georgia and Ukraine in 2008 was a strategic mistake. We are all humans, policymakers, and we make some uh, mistakes, obviously. This is part of the process. Georgia militarily, why? Why I think this is a strategic mistake. Georgia militarily confirmed all NATO standards. We were the biggest non member contributor to the NATO missions. We can argue about Georgia's quality of democracy. However, let's remember other NATO members when they joined the alliance. Example Albania. Or back in history, Turkey. Turkey is a critical actor, regional actor in the Black Sea region, right? Uh, We can debate and say about the quality of their democracies as well, but they are the members of the NATO. These decisions were made out out of security concerns and strategic calculations at that time. Thus, denying NATO membership to Georgia and Ukraine lowered the level of competition um, and encouraged Russia to attack these states in 2008, in 2014. Moreover, we had the recent policy before the Crimean annexation. And I understand the uh, rational... behind these ideas and these policies that the western actors want to integrate russia into the european structures to be considerate of their uh, strategic and uh, national security interests but it does not help because uh, we need to also understand what is happening inside the russia and recently we have seen that uh, ukraine was attacked and invaded um, by its neighbors something that 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 it's it i had the sense that the history was coming back so such decisions also undermine the credibility of promises made by these international organizations and 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 uh, put in the advantages positions autocracy promoters and unlike external democratizers autocracy promoters here i mean russia they are successful during periods of political instability because the chances that desired forces will come to power are high. Uh, Let me add one argument here as well. NATO enlargement is not a key cause why Russia attacked Ukraine. This aggressive behavior may be explained by, as I mentioned, by internal processes within the political and military structures of Russia, as well as those policies facilitating economic and energy dependence of the European Union on Russia. Perhaps Western foreign policy makers, I will be here repetitive, but thought to contain Russia through inclusion, but they lowered their competitive edge in doing so. Democracy promoters should increase their engagement with democratizing regimes rather than retreating from them. For instance, NATO membership for countries such as Georgia means safeguarding their security through a collective defense. So if we do not have basic conditions, we do not have statehood, it will be very difficult to speak about uh, consolidating our political institutions democratically. So um, here I think that um, Russian factor is quite uh, important. But this is not about per se NATO membership, but about what is happening inside the political regime of of Russia and their ambitions to restore the old empire.
1: Right. Now, you've already mentioned the the EU and and there as well, of course, we we don't have an offer of, of membership, though there has certainly been also some discussion of it. Uh, both in Georgia and within the European Union, you write in your book that you cannot, of course, given that there is no offer of membership, really test the efficacy of of what we call conditionality. That is uh, the kind of the carrot and stick approach where uh, candidate members are uh, supposed to be motivated by the prospect of EU membership to uh, actually undertake uh, domestic economic and uh, democratic reforms. So could it conversely be argued that the absence of a realistic prospect of Georgian EU membership caused Georgia's liberal elites to overcompensate compared to, say, some of uh, the Balkan elites who have felt in a way more privileged or certain of being offered EU membership by the sheer virtue of their Let's call it closer or better geographical placement vis-à-vis the EU.
2: Yeah, that's an excellent question. Thank you for this question. So, um, conditionality was indeed a defining factor for the democratic transformation of post-communist states. Poland, Hungary, uh, given uh, authoritarian rivals were unable to provide countervailing resources. Well, this is the underlying argument that is offered in the literature. Um, at the time, uh, Russia was quite weak uh, and more busy with its own um, the domestic affairs. Um, there was the war uh, with Chechnya and so on and so forth, and also economic uh, problems um, in, in 1998. But unlike the Central and Eastern European countries, you rightly mentioned that Georgia continued to democratize without being offered a clear prospect of EU membership. But Russia's authoritarian presence also limited the gatekeeping potential of Georgian political elites. So um, uh, the geopolitically imposed necessities motivated Georgia to build networks and search for new alliances. The United States was the first and leading external democratizer in Georgia, especially when we were building our state institutions. And I would say since 2003, um, after the Rose Revolution, European Union really um, was engaged very actively in promoting democracy, sectoral cooperation, building our bureaucracy, state capacities, um, supporting uh, uh, Georgia educational capacities um, uh, and uh, also supporting the rule of law law reforms in Georgia. Uh, For Georgia, there were no structural opportunities um, to democratize if we Uh, look um, uh, from the perspective of what the democracy promotion literature tells us about democratization. And yet the country developed into an electoral democracy, despite being surrounded by authoritarian powers, Russia, Iran, Turkey, um, Azerbaijan uh, also is a consolidated authoritarian regime. So this outcome was very unusual in the sense that Georgia had a history of civil and ethno-territorial conflicts. And in 2008, by invading Georgia, Russia fully exercised its military leverage and transferred the conflict into interstate warfare. Thus, Georgia contradicts the thesis of contagion through proximity uh, and deviates from the theoretical assumptions of linkage and leverage theories as well. If economic development strengthens political, economic, and social linkages, and if geography determines the intensity of these connections, Rather than the choices of the elites, then the case of Georgia confirms the opposite. Georgia was far from economically developed when its political elites and civic organizations established linkages with the West. The educational, bureaucratic and governmental ties with the uh, Western democratizers were instrumental to the regime transformation that took place before and after the Rose Revolution. It was an elite-based decision to strengthen connections with Western-dominated institutions and protect the country from the Russian influence. But I believe that conditionality is the right tool for now because Georgia um, has, to a certain degree, political, uh, democratic political institutions, of course, in the minimalist sense, but still um, there is an acceptance and huge uh, popular support for European integration, and uh, to formalize these rules and to give the clear promise uh, of conditionality, uh, it will help to consolidate democracy uh, in Georgia for now. And I believe that uh, within a week, we have uh, there will be decision announced by the European Union whether we qualify to be a candidate um, for EU membership. And I hope that we will receive uh, this status because it will um, give additional incentives to political and social actors to adopt democratic policies. So let's understand that the conditionality is also a part of the bigger puzzle of competitive regime promotion because it's an instrument to increase competitive edge vis-a-vis authoritarian actors. I mean
1: here, Russia. Mm -hmm. Now, at at the end of the book, you uh, have a a chapter where you uh, expand beyond Georgia and you draw comparisons of, uh, or with the cases of Armenia, Azerbaijan, Moldova and Ukraine. Can you briefly share the highlights of these comparisons?
2: Sure. Um, Armenian. let let me review um, all of these cases uh, in a way to uh, give the idea uh, how, to what extent the great powers were involved in their domestic politics and to what extent did their internal elites were open and receptive to these uh, pressures. Uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan had a low intensity of great power competition. Um, Armenia's relations with Azerbaijan and Turkey is quite complicated and this forced Armenia to be more dependent on uh, economically and politically on Russia. So recent decisions by Prime Minister Pashinyan gives hopes that Armenia will accelerate the process of democratization, but it did, did not show strong EU aspirations because Armenia is a member of the Eurasian Union um, and never considered to become NATO member because of uh, Russia's um, resistance and because of Turkey. Uh, however, a recent position of uh, Russia in the case of Nagorno-Karabakh conflict showed that Russia can't be a credible partner for Armenia. Um, and uh, irrespective of all of this, uh, pro-Russian political elites are very strong, and they blame Pashinyan for losing control on the Karabakh. Um, while I think, when I look retrospectively to all of these processes, that Russia, it was Russia's deliberate decision to uh, change its position, shift its position in favor of Azerbaijan, as it thought to receive some support from Azerbaijan in the planned war against Ukraine. Azerbaijan is a very important uh, country in this region. It has huge uh, energy resources and it can uh, n- other, I hope that Azerbaijani political elites will use this period with this critical uh, time to uh, formalize their relations with the European Union uh, and to benefit more in a sense of developing their political regimes towards democracy. Azerbaijani political elites did not receive democratic assistance until 2001 because of Nagorno-Karabakh war um, and only since the Iraqi war uh, it gained geopolitical importance. Um, however, Azerbaijan uh, remained neutral in relation with other superpowers because he tries not to somehow irritate any of those either Turkey or Russia or Iran Um, uh, and if we look to more, let's say, countries which are right on the border of Europe, for instance, Moldova, is somehow similar to Georgia with regard to its ethnic and political divisions at the domestic level. These divisions ran through the political parties and defined their positions regarding foreign policy issues. But unlike Georgia, Moldova was selective towards external democratizers. It, is, it, it never expressed willingness to join NATO. It it's announced neutrality. But we have seen that this announcement by Moldova to be neutral does not help him, does not protect him from from Russian aggression. And uh, contrary, um, eh, several months or weeks ago, there was um, uh, Moldova, the region of Transnistria, uh, there were some escalations um, and the signs of that Russia may also potentially invade uh, Moldova. Well... Definitely, EU integration was a priority for uh, Moldovan foreign policy. Uh, Georgia and Ukraine are kind of rebel states, countries, and they resist Russian hege- hegemony, Hegemony, and then the political elites of the color revolutions declared their pro-Western orientation and openly sought NATO and EU membership. Unlike like Georgia, Russia was not viewed as rival in Ukraine until the annexation of Crimea in 2014, uh, irrespective of the deep-seated divisions between pro-Russian and pro-Western political forces. Um, here, I mean Yanukovych's pro-Russian efforts to dismiss Ukraine's deal with the European Union, um, Uh, aimed at removing pro-democracy political elites from the political institutions and destabilizing the environment. So Ukraine is uh, also strategically the most important for Russia because disintegrating Ukraine for Russia means that it can easily do the same with other post-Soviet nations to restore the empire. If we look back to history, um, my sense was uh, when all these processes were evolving uh, in Ukraine that Putin wants to replicate the policies of Stalin somehow. Uh, Putin expressed grievances regarding the collapse of the Soviet Union as Russia was deprived to pursue the politics of domination over these nations. And um, I think that sometimes scholars underestimate uh, Uh, these uh, feelings, grievances, and uh, um, nationalist-minded dictators uh, who uh, violate all international laws and laws and try to undermine the liberal world order. So, um, this would be my kind of comparison that I find uh, these countries, how they differ or in what way they are similar. So, Ukraine and Georgia definitely are the countries uh, in which we have more intensive level of uh, great power competition.
1: Your The last part of your answer there reminds me of, of someone I heard uh, a while ago uh, talking about how it is to live in a world in which uh, some countries um, in, for example, Western Europe and, and uh, perhaps also in your region uh, are at least in some ways attempting to conduct uh, foreign policy and defense and security policy in a kind of 21st century mode, uh, but are confronted by uh, a, a state such as Russia, whose leader seems intent on conducting foreign policy and defense and security policy in a 19th or 20th century mode um, and the realities, uh, and the clashes that that cause. Um, so I think that that's something we, we really do need to consider, uh, what, what the consequences there are. We're going to need to, uh, wrap up here, but I, I want to just come back to Ukraine since, um, that is obviously what is all on our minds now. And, and I'm sure that is the case in Georgia as well. So, um, for the final question, could you, speak a bit to how the war in Ukraine, um, as it's evolved since February, and we of course both know that it's a war that we need to remind ourselves has been going on since 2014, but in its current kind of full-fledged iteration since February, uh, what effects or consequences of the war in Georgia um, can you uh, identify? And in particular, I'm of course curious as to whether any of these consequences of the war have caused you to reconsider or modify the conclusions that you present in your book, uh, and how the war has affected Georgian public opinion with respect to both potential EU and NATO membership.
2: Right, right. Um, well, this war is um, unjustified and provoked. We all know this. That. After defeating fascists, we see that the dictator, here I mean Putin, brings the history back. We have seen that Russian elites openly express their intent to eliminate Ukraine as a nation and disintegrate its statehood in the most brutal way. And then let me here quote Article 2 of the UN Convention on the Prevention Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide um, that tells that states that any any acts committed with intent to destroy in a whole or in part a national, ethnical, racial, or religious group as such killing members of the group causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group or forcibly transferring children of the group to another group is an act of genocide. And after reading this um, article, we, we, as someone who on a daily basis is watching what is happening in Ukraine and what what processes are are folding, we're just um, we're experiencing and watching that these acts of genocide are really happening in in, in the war crimes in Ukraine. Georgia experienced several times Russian aggression. I mentioned in the 1990s, its it's population has been ethnically cleansed by Russian and separatist forces. And uh, organizers and uh, perpetrators of such acts were not held responsible in case of Georgia because at that time we did not have s- such public visibility as it happens right now in Ukraine. After Georgia, there was a Chechnya war where officially 43,000 children were killed. And what is my um, suggestion is here, I am even, I'm not uh, Sure, if this is a correct word, but the West should be consistent in its economic, military, and political support with Ukraine, Georgia, and Moldova. And this involves integrating the states into your Atlantic structure. So the part of the question, uh, when you ask me whether I want to refine or Somehow change my mind. Um, whether still, I think that uh, this country should be, should be the members of the European Union or NATO. Yes, they should be the members because your Euro- Western actors should increase their competitive edge. They should not be reluctant to these to such violations. Otherwise. Yesterday, it was Georgia, today is Ukraine, and tomorrow there will be some of the European states. So it Georgian it, case was not visible because we are not right on the border of the European Union. And um, at that time, it was quite um, uh, more convenient to blame small states like Georgia in, in uh, becoming provoked or uh, involved in this military um, uh, aggression of, of Putin. So um, we understand the NATO and EU integration as a guarantee to be safe from the Russian aggression. I am telling it as a citizen of a nation whose population is almost 4 million, and sometimes our behaviors at the social levels are guided by our survival instincts as well so the status of the eu candidate should be granted to ukraine georgia and moldova to leverage better the democratic consolidation of their political institutions but we could not speak about consolidation of democracy without statehood which is at risk and uh, it is at risk from russia and by russia
1: on that note, um, and I, I think uh, you mentioned also, of course, the issue of war crimes, crimes against humanity and, and uh, genocide. And and there, of course, uh, there will doubtless be a, um, a long chapter that has yet to be written of both national and international prosecutions of atrocities that are being committed in this war. Uh, as indeed, as you know, there are both national and international efforts looking at uh, those atrocities that were committed uh, during the war between Russia and Georgia back in 2008. Um, this has been a really interesting discussion. I think listeners have will have gotten uh, more than an appetizer of uh, what awaits them in your book, uh, which is multifaceted, very detailed, and um, has a lot of theses, which, as you show in your final chapter, are relevant, not just for Georgia, but uh, for other countries in the former Soviet Union, and I think also farther afield. So, uh, I want to thank you, uh, Zarina Burkatsi, for uh, joining me today. We've been discussing Zarina's book, Great Power Competition and the Path to Democracy, The Case of Georgia from 1991 to 2020, which has been published in 2022. By the University of Rochester Press. Thanks again, Zaria.
2: Thank you, Chris. If I may add some, also um, a summary, a little summary, uh, and some conclusion here. Uh, uh, there is no universal map showing us how to transform a nation into a better democracy because every nation takes its own unique path. But what I tried to show here in my book is that external democratizers should view autocracy promotion as a challenge and an opportunity to pursue a countervailing strategy of democracy promotion while checking local democratic elites and preventing them from abusing their power. So this is really one of the passes that can lead us towards democracy. So thank you very much for giving me opportunity to speak about my book, and I hope it will be interesting for other researchers and for readers generally thank you i'm
1: sure it will and uh, thank you again and uh, i encourage all of our listeners to have a look at this thought-provoking book thank you and join us again in another episode of the new books network soon